Welcome back to Young Smart Money. Today we are hearing from Graham Stephan, the 29-year-old real estate millionaire. Graham made his millions in real estate through working as a luxury real estate agent uh, in California and then investing in multifamily properties in the same state. Graham has also gone on to become a leader in the personal finance space and content creation, specifically on YouTube, where he's got over a million subscribers, making him, as far as I know, the biggest personal finance YouTube channel out there. So he's making videos on building your credit, on uh, healthy financial habits for young people, on investing in real estate. He's teaching so many amazing skills, so I'm super stoked to be featuring him on Young Smart Money today. Quick side note here before we do hop into the video, Graham was recently on the podcast as well, Young Smart Money, so if you do wanna check that out, hear a little bit behind the scenes what's going on in the brain of Graham Stephan. We sat down with him for about 30 minutes to uh, pick his brain and to hear what he is thinking about for the future, what he's working on, and then just little side projects that he's working on as well. So if you want a little bit behind the scenes on Graham Stephan, just search for Young Smart Money on your podcast platform of choice. You'll find it there. And without further ado, here is my take on Graham Stephan's top 10 financial tips. Number one, track your expenses. So step one is having a budget by tracking your expenses and reducing unnecessary spending. And this is a big one. If you just do this one thing and you skip the rest of the video, but you do this, trust me when I say this, you're gonna be ahead of 99% of other people out there because almost no one does this. And if you're at a point right now where you're watching this and struggling with money and you're not already doing this, you absolutely need to. Consider this step almost like your financial check engine light. Tracking your spending is going to tell you what's wrong and then how you're able to fix it. Most people out there just completely ignore this financial check engine light and they have no idea how much they spend or what they spend it on. All they know is they have X amount of money in their bank account and that's how much they can afford. And then when that account gets low, they start cutting back up until the next paycheck. And then when their account goes up, they start spending again. Doing that is not how the wealthy people manage their money. So I recommend first starting off by tracking all of your income and expenses over the next six days. I personally use mint.com and also personalcapital.com. You can also use your own Excel spreadsheet if you want. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever you want to use is totally fine as long as you actually do this step. And this is your challenge for the next 60 days. Track every single penny that goes in your account and every single penny that leaves your account. Then after the 60 days, you can determine if you're spending money on stuff that doesn't matter, if you're making a lot of stupid impulse decisions, buying stuff you don't need, like avocado toast, or if you're otherwise just wasteful of money without even realizing it. And when it comes to doing this, you can likely save about 10% of your income when tracking your expenses and then cutting back on the things that you realize don't really add any value to your life and things that you don't really need. Number two, open a Roth IRA. Like you have the chance to make hundreds of thousands of dollars tax-free just by opening up a Roth IRA and contributing to it. Like just to give you an example of the power of compound interest and investing as early as possible, if you're 18 years old and you invest $1,000 in a Roth IRA, by the time you're 60 years old, that $1,000 is gonna be worth $17,100 adjusted for inflation. Now by that same example, if you invested that same $1,000 at 19 years old, instead of at age 18 years old, that $1,000 is only gonna be worth $16,000 by the time you are 60 years old. That means that one year difference will literally double your initial investment 
by the time you're 60 years old. So that's why it's so important investing as early as you can. This is also exactly why you should be doing this now, especially if you're young, while you're not earning a lot of money. So this is what it is. Because it confused me so much when I was younger and I had no idea what it was, I'm gonna try to explain it as easily and as simply as I can. Okay, so what I'm talking about is called the Roth IRA. And what that stands for is Individual Retirement Account. So Roth IRA is a type of retirement account where you can put in up to $5,500 per year with no immediate tax deductions. But when you're 59 and a half years old, all that interest and all the earnings you've made over many, many years is all tax-free money that you can take out. This means that you pay zero tax on years and years of compounded interest and earnings. Your tax-free profits in this account make you even more tax-free profits, which makes you even more tax-free profits and that just snowballs from there and it grows to something huge. So let's say you have a job and you've saved up $1,000. Now you go and you open up a Roth IRA and you put that $1,000 in that Roth IRA account. That $1,000 that you saved up will have already been taxed by the government, so we call that post-tax money. You can then put that $1,000 in your Roth IRA account and that's called your contribution. So now let's say that $1,000 you put in is worth $1,300 the next year. That extra $300 you made is your earnings. Now this is all tax-free money that's gonna make you even more tax-free money the next year because now you have $300 that's not gonna be taxed that can then go and work for you and make even more money for you. Now the benefit here is that since you've already paid taxes on your first $1,000 that you've contributed to this account, you can take that out without any penalty or without paying any more taxes on that initial investment at any time. So if you decide like two or three years from now, you need an extra $1,000, you don't have it, but you have it in the Roth IRA. You're able to take that money back out. Now, of course, there are some restrictions if you then wanna put like that $1,000 back in. Usually you're not able to do that. So I'd almost consider this like a savings account where you can put your money in it and if you need it in the future, you can always take it back out if you absolutely need to. So all of your earnings in this account are gonna be completely tax-free. Now the catch is you have to leave it in the account. So if you have $1,000 in this account and then it's worth $1,300 next year, that extra $300 that you made should be left in that account, otherwise you have to pay penalties and taxes on it. But that initial $1,000, like I said, you can take it out at any time if you need it. Now the benefit here is that all the earnings you've made from your initial contribution is all gonna be tax-free if you just leave it in there until you're 59 and a half. At that point, you can take out all your money completely tax-free with no penalty at any time. Number three, and this one's a little bit controversial, get a credit card. As soon as you turn 18, go and get a credit card. I want you to skip the presents and the birthday cake because that's not gonna make you money. And instead, you gotta get a credit card and that is gonna be your birthday present to yourself. And if you're over the age of 18 and you haven't done this yet, then I want you just to watch this step. Then after this, you gotta pause the video and literally just go and, and get a credit card as soon as you can, like, like now. But in all seriousness though, if I had any regret in my teenage years, it was by not getting a credit card because I grew up with two parents who were in credit card debt. I saw the effects credit cards had on them. And I basically grew up with the mentality that credit cards were pointless, they were evil, and you should always pay with just a debit card or cash. You should never use credit. So I was pretty much like the teenage version of a Dave Ramsey. That was, by the way, until I wanted to invest in real estate when I was about 21 years old and no bank wanted to give me a loan because I had absolutely zero credit history whatsoever. Here I was thinking, I am so cool for never needing a credit card and staying in a debt. 
until I found out I couldn't get a mortgage because of that, and that was a very rude awakening. I just didn't understand that building your credit wasn't about being irresponsible with money, it wasn't about being in debt, it's simply about playing the system to your benefit by showing lenders that you could pay your bills on time and in full. And if you could go and do that successfully, then lenders will see that you could properly handle money, and because of that, they're more likely to lend you money to then go and invest with. And doing all of this, by the way, is very easy, and if you're just starting out, I highly recommend a credit card called the Discover It Secured Card. All you need to do is go to their website, type in your information, you're going to put down a small deposit, and they will give you back a credit line equivalent to that deposit. So if you put down $200 as a deposit, that is going to become your new credit line. This credit card is totally free, there's no annual fees, and you'll get cash back on every purchase. So pretty much every purchase you make now is 1% to 2% less expensive if you just charge it on the card. And all you need to do to build your credit is just spend a minimal amount on the card every month. Like put $20 on the card every month and then just go and pay it off in full before it's due and just do that consistently. It's really just as simple as doing that. The entire process is going to take you maybe 15 minutes. So if you haven't done this already and you're over the age of 18, seriously, just trust me on this one. Pause the video, go and do this and come back to it. I swear to you guys, it is going to help you tremendously in the future if you just start building your credit now. Number four, keep spending consistent. How much money I make every single month does not dictate how much money I spend at all. Like I'll spend the exact same amount of money whether I'm making $2,000 a month or $168,000 a month. I have a strict budget, I'll stick with it, and whatever is left over after that is then saved and invested. And if I do go and spend money on something, I make sure it'll either hold its value so I don't lose any money, or it's something that will make me more money than what I've spent on it. For instance, my Tesla Model 3 is a perfect example of this. Like, yes, I went and bought a Tesla online uh, because it looked like a good deal. Like from the outside looking in, that doesn't seem like the frugal thing to do coming from someone who just says they don't like spending money. But most people don't realize that the Tesla was a business expense that completely paid for itself within the first two months from one single video. And now it's like I own a free Tesla that I get paid to drive, which is crazy. I do my best to apply that sort of mentality with everything that I purchase so that way it will be free. That also means I'm very conscious about not spending my money on anything stupid. Like I no Gucci belts, no Gucci shoes, no Louis Vuitton anything, no no Supreme anything, no private jets, no iced out Rolexes. None of that. To me th that's not me and that just seems like a gigantic waste of money. Instead though, I'm all about the $2.99 H&M t-shirts. This, this is me ballin', $2.99 right here, this shirt, fits me perfectly. And with all of that, it should really come as no surprise that I like to save money a lot. And to me, it's almost like a personal challenge just to see how much I cannot spend. My philosophy behind this mentality is really simple, and it's just this. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Instead, it really just matters how much of that you actually get to keep. Like the person who's saving 50% of their income earning $80,000 a year is probably going to be wealthier than the person saving 3% of their income earning $500,000 a year. So really from a young age, I just always made it a priority to save as much money as I can just knowing that that would give me a huge advantage later in life. And also, when it comes to this, I think it's really important that I specify that I never view my income as though it's my income. Like, it never registers to me how much money I make. This is really because the only number that I care about is how much the money I make will make me.
That's it. That way I will never have to touch the principal and I can live exclusively on the interest that money generates without ever having to worry about running out. And I know it sounds super cliche like you would see that post on some stupid motivational entrepreneur business Instagram post, but you know what, it's true. So given that context, you'll be able to better understand how I spend my money and when I do spend my money, how I prioritize it. So when it comes to my exact spending, because I know that's the reason everyone clicked on this video, that's what you wanna see. Number five, think about the future value of your dollars. Most importantly, think of what your money is going to be worth in its future value. Like when you save and invest your money, it's going to grow over time. And when you go and spend it, it's really like you're halting the growth of what that money would have been worth had you saved and invested it instead. So if instead of buying avocado toast, you just took that $20 and invested it over the next 40 years, and we took the average historic return of the stock market adjusted for inflation with dividends reinvested, it's a lot to say, that $20 will have turned into nearly $300 of future money. So I just think to myself, okay, is this avocado toast really worth $300 in the future? And if the answer is no, then I just don't buy it. Now I'm a nutcase and I think of everything this way, like a $5 cup of coffee at Starbucks to me is like, well, is that really worth $75 of future money? And the answer is no, because I can make coffee myself for about 20 cents a cup and you pour in the Coffee Mate coconut creamer and it's, and it's delicious and it tastes way better than Starbucks for a fraction of the price. So start thinking of all of your purchases in the same way as well and really ask yourself if what you're buying is going to add the equivalent amount of value now than you would have in the future had you just saved and invested it. And if the answer is no, then don't buy it. And if you do decide it's gonna be worth it, then by all means, absolutely go for it. There's always a fine line between living in the moment and enjoying life and saving for the future, and that line for all of us is going to be different. So just make sure you stay true to yourself and you really understand what you're giving up in the future if you decide to get something right now. This is why it's so important to find a happy medium that works best with you so that you don't feel like you're missing out, but at the same time, you're prepared for the future and save money. Number six, make more money. I know this is like Captain Obvious stuff here, but you would be surprised. I mean, in order to build your wealth fast, you have to make a lot of money. There's no way around that. So chances are, if you wanna build your wealth fast, you probably aren't gonna get there with any sort of traditional job, unless that job is paying you some exorbitant amount of money. So if you're watching this right now and you wanna make a ton of money without working a nine to five job, this is my recommendation. Pick a career where the amount of money that you make is not dependent on how many hours that you work. If you decide to ignore this entire video but just focus on one thing, let that one thing just be this. Anytime you work a job where you're paid hourly, you're gonna plateau very, very quickly. There's simply just so many hours in a day that you can physically be capable of working and then once you hit that amount, it's that's it, that's all you can make. So if you change that and work any job that pays you on results, not your time, you're gonna see your income skyrocket. For example, with me, I started off working as a real estate agent, and this is something that I've been doing now for almost 11 years. The amount of hours I work in this job is totally irrelevant. I can work 200 hours at something and get paid nothing if I don't sell the house, or I can work five or six hours and sell a $2 million house and get paid a $60,000 commission. Personally, I believe that any sort of sales career is one of the most underrated options out there and is a great stepping stone to a really high income. It'll teach you everything you need to know about customer service and time management, and it'll provide the funding for you to do just about anything else you wanna do later in life. But if you're not the type who wants to get into sales because you want something a little bit more stable, but, you 
you want to still make more money. Just consider this study. This article found that the best way to increase your income and build your wealth is by constantly moving companies, continuing to leverage your skills, and use that as a way to earn more. Or if you get a higher offer from another company, just consider using that as leverage to negotiate a higher raise where you're at now. If you bring value to the company you're currently working for, it should be unquestionable for you to demonstrate your value and how much you're worth. Although I have to say that most stories that you hear about people building up incredible amounts of wealth from nothing did so by starting their own business. These are people who saw an unfulfilled niche and then found a way to solve that problem or they saw an existing business that was doing well and then found a way just to do that business better. For example, I consider YouTube like my way of starting a business. I saw that most financial literacy out there was boring, it was dull, it was bland, and it was just plain bad. So for me, when I saw this, it's obvious. It's like, no wonder no one cares about learning financial literacy because this is what's available right now and it sucks. So I started making YouTube videos because I felt like this is a cool topic that I can talk about and I can do it in such a way that other people can relate to me because I've been through it all myself and ho hopefully I'm not that boring. So don't be afraid to go and take risk because if you want different results from what everyone else is getting, then you're gonna have to do something different than what everyone else is doing. And of course, that's very risky. There's a solid chance that you're gonna fail and you're gonna lose money. And there's also a very solid chance that you're gonna drive yourself mentally crazy pouring everything you have into something without any guaranteed return whatsoever. But that's how you actually make it happen because making a ton of money isn't easy. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. However, if this is something you want, then I can absolutely tell you that it's 100% worth it. When it comes to me, I really believe that I put in one decade from 18 to 20 28 years old, working really, really hard, saving everything I could, sacrificing every luxury that I can possibly buy for the sake of investing, to pretty much set myself up to do whatever I want for the rest of my life, with, within reason, of course. But you get the idea. Good things don't happen without putting in a lot of work and taking some risk to make it happen. Number seven, reconsider college. I really believe it's so important not to go to college just for the sake of going to college. Maybe I'm out of line here, but I really believe that this is an epidemic that needs to be stopped, and one day people are going to wake up and realize that they don't need a college degree to do what they want to do. Now here's the thing though, for those that don't realize, I never went to college, so I am a little bit biased when I speak of this. But I have seen so many of my friends go to college because their parents pressured them into going, so they go to school and they waste four years of their life studying something that they didn't really care about and then they get bogged down with student loans and then they graduate and then they can't find a job and they have to find a way to repay $30,000 in debt. So given that, here's my solution to all of this. If you don't know what you want to do with your life, either get some work experience until you can figure it out or instead just go to a two-year community college just to get your general education requirements out of the way until you figure it out. That way you can save a ton of time, you can save a ton of money, you can get some work experience at the same time and make some money until eventually you figure out what you want to do and then from there you can make a decision. But to be fair, on the other hand, if you have a clear-cut path to what you want to do and college is a requirement to doing it, then by all means, go to college. Or also, if your parents are paying for you to go to college and you can graduate without any student loan debt whatsoever, then by all means, 
go for it. But if you're going to be paying for school out of pocket and you don't know exactly what you want to do, and this is going to cost you four years of your time and your life that you could just be spent working, then definitely think very long and hard if college is the right choice for you at that moment. Like, I'm not any economist here. I'm just someone who, who loves personal finance, but I think we could avoid a lot of wasteful student loan debt if more people just took a year or two off after high school just to gain some work experience and really try to figure out what they want to do with their life. It's so much better just to wait and really decide what you want to do than jumping into college right after high school because that's what everyone else is doing. It makes no sense to me. Number eight, start investing early. So first, let's begin here. It's really important to understand that just going and investing $500 on its own isn't likely to amount to much money unless you just happen to go and buy Bitcoin with it in 2012. But besides that, for this video to really work, you need to be investing $500 a month consistently without stopping and ideally starting as soon as you possibly can. And the reason you want to start investing now is because you'll have the power of compound interest on your side. That is that your money ends up making you more money and that money ends up making you more money, which ends up making you more money, which ends up making you more money. It's kind of like a snowball that's just rolling down a hill, collecting more and more snow and getting bigger and bigger as it picks up speed. That's basically also how your money works. The sooner you begin to invest, the higher up the hill you begin rolling that snowball down, allowing it to accumulate more snow and grow even bigger by the time it hits the bottom. Except the snow in this scenario is actually money if that makes sense. Like, just consider this. If you invest $500 a month at a 7% return, you'll have $263,000 in 20 years. But if you continue investing that $500 a month for just another 10 years after that, you will have basically doubled your money with a balance of $606,000. And if you keep investing that extra $500 a month for just another 10 years after that, you will have more than doubled your money again with about $1.2 million. Then at this point, even if you stop contributing $500 a month, your investments will pretty much grow at a rate of almost $90,000 a year. All of that just from investing $500 a month consistently over 40 years without stopping. So again, that's the goal and it all begins right here. Number nine, open a high yield savings account. Now, the first place you can put your money is in a high-interest FDIC-insured savings account. Pay attention there. Note I said FDIC-insured savings account. Hint, hint. Uh, yeah, that was just a pretty dumb jab at Robinhood if you didn't catch that. But anyway, lame jokes aside, there's some pretty decent offers going on right now with high interest savings accounts. Now, since I last made a video on this topic about a month ago, rates have ended up going up. And I found the four best current high interest savings accounts for you to choose from. And this is what they are. First, we have Ally Bank offering a whopping 2.2% return on their savings account. Zero minimums, zero fees. Just sign up for the account and get that sweet, sweet 2 0.2%. This is the account I personally use for myself for the last few years, and I absolutely love them. And Ally, by the way, if you're watching this, I've, I've given you a lot of free promotion lately. So if you're interested in sponsoring the channel, here I am. Any, any day now. All right, so anyway now, the second option beats Ally by just a little bit, and that is Marcus by Goldman Sachs offering 2.25% percent interest. And again, just like Ally Bank, there are no minimums, there are no account maintenance fees, there are no like crazy weird fine print. Just put in your money and enjoy that 
2.25% return. Now, the third option goes even crazier than that, and that is, as usual, PNC Bank, which is offering 2.35% interest on their savings account. Again, as the last two, no minimums, no crazy fees, nothing weird about this account. It's you know, pretty straightforward. Now, of course, the only downside I found with this account is that it's only available to people who live in a state that does not have physical PNC branches in it. This 2.35% interest rate is really meant as a way to gain customers in other states where they're not located and for anyone who is located in one of their own states. Unfortunately, you, you can't get this account. So depending on where you live, this may or may not end up working for you. And fourth, I found one that's even crazier than PNC. PNC Bank, which I didn't think was possible, but here you go. CIT Bank is offering 2.45% interest on their savings accounts with accounts that have more than $25,000 in them. That's right, 2.45% interest with no crazy monthly maintenance fees, no weird fine print, just keep a minimum balance of $25,000. And I gotta say, from all the research I did, this seems like the best, cleanest account out there without having to worry about like not having a good bank or having the rate change on you as soon as you put your money in. It seems like this one is pretty legit as long as you have the $25,000 to deposit. Number 10, start house hacking. And generally speaking, housing is one of the largest expenses that you have. So it's not the end of the world, but it's still an expense that's gonna have to come out of pocket every single month. Now, when you already have a savings and you're about to make the jump into buying a property, one of the things that so many people overlook is multifamily properties, and this is why it's such a good opportunity. And these are two to four unit homes like duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes, which means instead of having one house on one lot, you can have two, three, or four units on one lot. Now for loan purposes, this is treated the exact same as if you were buying a house or if you were buying a condo. Now what makes this really unique is that you have other units on your property that you can freely rent out to cover all of your property expenses. Not only that, it gets better. You can also count the anticipated rental income of the other units towards your own income and qualify for a larger loan. So in one situation, if you can normally qualify on your own for a $400,000 mortgage, if you buy a multifamily, you can take the anticipated rental income of the other units that you would be receiving, count that as income you will be receiving and get a larger loan, which means that you might be able to qualify for a $500,000 loan or a $600,000 loan just based off the anticipated rental income that the other units will bring in. Now, when you buy these properties correctly, the rental income you're gonna be receiving from the other units is enough to cover all of your ownership costs of the property, including your mortgage, your taxes, your insurance, your repairs, your vacancy, everything, and you can live in one of the units essentially for free from there. So I'm gonna be making up a very simple example just to give you an idea of what it's like, and then I'll show you some real world examples of property I've been looking at. All right, I hope you all enjoyed my take on Graham Stephan's top 10 financial tips. Links to all of Graham's videos that were referenced will be in the description. You can go check those out and watch the full versions. Would highly recommend it. Graham was one of the people that first got me interested in personal finance over three years ago now. So I'm extremely grateful for him and everything that he is doing. Additionally, if you wanna check out his YouTube channel or his Instagram, those links will be down there as well, along with all of the other places where he is putting out content. Would highly recommend you staying up to date with what Graham is doing if you are at all interested in the personal finance or real estate spaces.
Also, I want to hear which of these tips you liked the most and which of them you're already implementing. I know for me, my favorite was definitely the Roth IRA. I'm a huge proponent of Roth IRAs and also credit cards. So uh, those two are the top two for me. But let me know down below which of them you are already subscribed to or which of them you are most interested in implementing. I'm also curious to hear who you want to see on the show next. Who should be the next feature on Young Smart Money? I've got a couple people in mind, but since Graham was one of the first creators I ever started watching, he was definitely number one for sure. But let me know in the comments or just shoot me a message on who you would like to see next. Also, if y'all aren't subscribed already, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you are consuming this content right now, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're at, please do consider subscribing to Young Smart Money. It helps those algorithms spread the content to even more people and spread the love. So I really do appreciate that. And now the last thing I want to leave you guys with is, is I want you guys to take action, okay? You just spent, uh, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 minutes consuming some content right here. And, and you can consume content all day long. But my philosophy is that if you don't do anything with the information that you consume, what's the point of consuming it, okay? Say you read 50 books in a year, but you don't take any new actions based on those books. What was the point of that, okay? Maybe it made you look smart. Maybe you could tell your friends you read 50 books. But in the grand scheme of things, guys, Action is is really king. So uh, you got 10 actionable tips in this video, in this piece of content. So I want you guys to go out there and start implementing them, okay? Pick one and just go for it, okay? Take a quick break from consuming content. Maybe it's only five, 10, 15 minutes, but take a break from, from your content consumption and just take some notes, okay? Or take some action or just think about how are you going to implement what you just learned in this piece of content today? How are you going to take that with you into the world and implement it? And I'm excited to hear what y'all uh, go out there and do. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Young Smart Money and I will see you in the next one.